Welcome to Roundhill Radio. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, look for moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. How you doing? Good. Happy Ice Day. Happy Ice Day. Uh, <laughs> it is fortuitous that we had already planned on recording remotely. It is indeed. Um, so it's, it's all worked out. <laughs> it's all worked out great. No um, kidding. I actually... Uh, took a little a little trip on Sunday down to our studio and it's well underway everyone oh. is looking amazing they've paint is completely done great it's so fresh oh, so perfect we'll be excited to be back in there so thank you all for sticking with us as we record remotely any uh errors in this recording are of course I'm sure my fault um <laughs> but we're gonna do our best <laughs> we're gonna do our best here as always to bring you messages of hope and humor and i'm sure we'll all learn something together uh from ed so as always as from always each other. From, from each other, other. <laughs> so we were talking last week about the life and legacy of dr martin luther king um sort of leading into uh mlk the celebra uh, the holiday weekend mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and that is really connected with me and i was also thinking about how you know, we're we're focusing this month on the idea of peace, on the concept of peace, and next month's theme is justice. And I know mm. in the original kind of iteration of this sermon series, it was going to be sort of both mm -hmm. for two months. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the comment was there can be no justice without peace. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was wondering actually if. You know, it works out with like the themes and Black History Month and MLK. It all makes beautiful sense. But I was also wondering the other day if maybe we got it backwards. Because hmm. mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, we can't really have peace unless we have justice. Mm -hmm. And so I think like I'm looking forward to this kind of like continuation of the idea of peace. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And then peace with justice. Because then, mm -hmm. then we have true peace not just lack of discord right mm -hmm. is how it sort of feels i've been some really beautiful stuff um over the past few days on social media by um by creators of color who have had really eloquent and heartfelt things to say about this weekend and about the idea that these ideas um, need to be widespread all 365 days of the year not just on right january the 15th um this year so it's just it's a it's been it's been i'm just really grateful for the people who are uh out there educating me frankly mm -hmm. um, it's been really helpful what have you been thinking about well first of all those are all wonderful thoughts and i i love your comment about you know how do you when you when you think about preparing for justice. Uh, how do you lay the groundwork for peace? And uh, can you have one without the other? Mm -hmm. And so they are definitely integrally related. I think it's actually wonderful that when the, our, our series was put together, you know, we had our congregational leaders who actually identified the interrelationship between peace and justice. So yeah. I really appreciated their teaching and their leadership on that issue. So I think one of the ways that uh, it's helpful, though, to think about peace as a prelude to justice is that uh, peacemaking is uh, something that involves training. And uh, we 
probably tend to look past that. I think when people think about peace, they think about a condition of calmness yeah. or they think about a state of mind. Um, it may actually be a condition of being in which they have for a few moments or maybe a, f a few more moments than just a few, um, some separation from the world, mm -hmm. not thinking about the world, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and actually, I don't think those experiences relate very closely to the biblical vision of peace, which is usually a force. And it's an experience of something that happens in the midst of conflict. So it's not something you separate yourself out from. Then you go back into the world. It's something that happens when you're out in the world. Mm. And um, I remember hearing a sermon years ago from the uh, Reverend Dr. William Sloan Coffin, Jr., when he was at Riverside Church in New York City. And he, he talked about the peace of Moses, who who stood before Pharaoh, probably with his knees shaking, saying, you know, let my people go, mm -hmm. or the peace of Mary, who is young and uncertain, and yet is told that she's going to be the mother of this child who will have a global significance. And this, these are kinds of experiences of peace that are, um, you know, embraced in the moment where things are really tumultuous and a lot is on the line. And so I, I think that in that way, then it becomes a prelude to uh, justice. Yeah. It's sort of peace as, it's not peace as calm. I love right. this idea as peace as a force. Um, yeah. We've talked about as a church, as an organization, as a community, being a force for good and sort of reclaiming this word force. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that peace can also be a force, not just an absence of conflict. Yeah, actually, there's a great story in the New Testament uh, that comes to mind about this. So Jesus and his disciples are out in a boat. I don't quite understand this story because I thought they were all pretty experienced, you know, fisher folk. <laughs> and, uh, but somehow, you know, they get out into the water and uh, things really become choppy. The boat's flying all over the place and water's coming up into the boat. And lo and behold, um, Jesus falls asleep. So it's, it's, it's kind of an image of someone at peace in the midst of the storm. Okay, I get that. But the disciples say, um, excuse us, but this is no fun out here. And, uh, you know, let, let's fix this problem. So Jesus stands up, which I think would have been a pretty remarkable thing to do in a boat that's, you know, <laughs> flailing all over the place. And he mm -hmm. says to the water, peace, be still. Mm -hmm. And that is an example of peace as a force. You know, mm -hmm. he's using it, he's directing it, as opposed to saying, hey, just let me be at peace here in the back of the boat. Don't worry, the storm will pass. Right. He actually gets up and use, uses this peaceful energy to do something about the storm. Doesn't let yeah. the storm get inside himself, uh, but does something about it. And I think that's a great, you know, sort of story about how we can use this energy at our disposal. I love that. It puts me in mind of something I heard recently that has been has really stuck with me, which is that the opposite, the saying goes, the opposite of anxiety is not calm. The opposite of anxiety is trust. Mm, mm -hmm. And that yes. for me as a borderline anxious person has been, <laughs> has been really helpful because it's not like, oh, I need to just stop having this tension, this sort of, you know, this to me, it's like a, it's like a tension. It's like a, just like a hum. Uh -huh. um, it's not uh -huh. that the hum needs to just like, I need to just like 
chill out. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it were that easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that it's it's maybe a lack of trust in something. If it's a lack of trust in myself and a situation in whatever. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because it gives it that force. It gives yes. you something to then act upon or work on and not just say, well, stop. Stop doing whatever you're doing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, I'm learning in uh, parenting toddlers that the not, they, they can't process a, a not, like do uh-huh. not throw food on the floor. As right. a key example here, uh, they just hear th- throw food on the floor and uh-huh. they can't switch it to not. So you have to tell them what you want them to do. So uh-huh. A refrain in my house is food stays on the table. <laughs> there we go. Um, but at that tie-in of like... It reframe. Gives, ref, reframe. But like it gives you something to do yes. rather than just something to stop doing. Yeah, I love that. I love um, that. Which is interesting. Yeah, I think that... Um, in, and it may be that you do that thing, you know, or you gather yourself to do what needs to be done and you may still feel a little anxiety while you're doing it. You know, the sure. anxiety... <laughs> The anxiety hangs around, but it's not, it's, it, but it's no longer guiding the action. It's no longer uh-huh. controlling the action. It's just kind of something that's there. Right. Um, and so I, yeah, I like that very much. And I, um, one of the things that I've been thinking about in relationship to peace and have mentioned this, I think, in our conversations is that it, um, there's an understanding that's developed over the years that you've got to be trained to do it. You know, it's not, it's, it's a natural energy. It's a, it's something we can experience. It can appear in our lives in some beautiful, remarkable ways, lovely surprises, but more often than not, if you're really going to use it to its full extent, you have to develop it and practice Mm -hmm. it. And that's why uh, one of, I think one of the undertold stories of the civil rights movement is the story of the Highlander school in Tennessee, which was a center for nonviolent protest, the teaching of nonviolent social protest. And people would actually go there to practice, have, um, you know, being a, a, a verbally abused. Mm. And they would have a kind of lunch counter scenario where people would be sitting and people would shout at them and scream at them and throw food at them because they were preparing for that to happen. And of course, one of their most famous graduates was Rosa Parks. So she had she had done her training there, and that was so helpful to her in her life. And I'm just thinking that there's used to be an organization. I'm not sure that it's around anymore, but the Center for uh, Nonviolent um, Social Change used to be based in St. Louis. They did a lot of work with families mm-hmm. and uh, utilizing nonviolence in the context of families, which can be incredibly important. Um, but then training families to do that out in the wider world. And so again, you know, they would, they would lead workshops and that's how they communicated the resources of nonviolent social protest. I think that's such an important point. And I appreciate you bringing that back because I think it's this idea of preparation when preparation meets opportunity. And it's not while these individuals were absolutely courageous and absolutely bold and making such a difference and being so brave they weren't doing it alone Mm. you know rosa parks wasn't like one day like i'm going to be yeah starting a movement or i'm going to be lighting a kindling that inspires some people she was like she felt drawn to move to do Mm -hmm. something 
and then was like, right, so how can I prepare myself? What education? How can I stop being one person and be part of a community? And what can we do together? Um, I think that's such a powerful thing. And I think that's really that you, you told me that last week. And I think that completely that shifted something in me and this idea that while there was something so clearly innate and brave and wondrous about her, that she also had um, a team behind her, a team Mm -hmm. with her. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, we often see these great leaders or these great oratory uh, gifted people. And we think, Oh, that one person is incredible. We kind of forget about like the entire group of people (laughs) right? (laughs) who who help. And I think that in, as we, our society, I feel like is becoming more and more individualistic and Mm -hmm. we kind of like go off and do our own thing. We're like, you know, like, the, the the pandemic did not help that um mm-hmm. but this idea that together we can do great things i think mm-hmm. is a message that can uh not be said enough you know one thing uh that i don't hear very much discussion about but uh in in terms of the of the life of the church i mean we're we hear all kinds of stories about declining numbers and declining influence and impact and the fact that you know, newer people or newcomers are not coming very, very often to local mm. churches and so mm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of that understood. But, you know, for those who are still in churches, there's a different kind of challenge to be faced, which is exactly the one you've put your finger on. And that is that we tend to come together as a collection of individuals, and then we leave as individuals, and we're yeah. dispersed, and we're not really deeply connected with one another. And uh, it makes me think of a book called uh, In His Steps, Mm -hmm. which was written by a man named Charles Sheldon back in the early part of the 20th century. And um, he wrote this book. It was based on a sermon that he delivered, but it's a story about um, a man who's homeless who shows up at a congregation and um, he the congregation winds up taking him in. He's very ill. And they are very touched by this man, his wisdom, his presence. And then he dies. And the people who had been taking care of him say, you know, well, how, how can we continue the care that we started for him? How can we continue that? How can we do more good? Mm-hmm. And they discovered that what they have to do, actually, is stop being individuals. So they start meeting every single Sunday after worship. Because each person kind of takes a pledge, uh, you know, sort of the what would Jesus do movement. They sort of practice that in their personal lives, but they come together every single week after worship to reflect on that. Mm -hmm. And they're helped by one another, and they do it as a team. And so that is why Rosa Parks and others were successful. You know, even during the voter registration drives in the civil rights movement, people went out in pairs. They went out in twos and threes and groups of, you know, small groups went home to home. Um, they did that for security reasons, but they also did it because the work can be lonely. And um, we're kind of consigning ourselves to individualism the way, we, the way we're currently set up as yeah. a church, unless we add those, those meetings those gatherings where we can collectively say, hey, how's this going for you? How's it working? How's it not working? I yeah. think we, we can do that, but we have to recognize that that's an important part of what it means to live out the faith. It's just not something that we can do as individuals. We're just kidding ourselves. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I it 
makes me think of I was I was celebrating the other day that uh, how incredible it feels that so many of our choir members um, when we started choir back they all just like came back mm. <laughs> and the choir has remained intact basically for the yeah. past you know four or five years we've held pretty steady and actually the change in rehearsal times as we did it meant that we had some friends return who had actually left the choir briefly mm -hmm. and it to me feels like a real testament to what a small group can be you know what a a, a community a group a club you know i mean mm -hmm. what is choir if not a club of people who love to sing right you know right. and the and they take this choir takes the club vibe um to a pretty far degree <laughs> takes it seriously yeah they enjoy one another's company uh -oh. and it makes That's me lovely. really happy um i kind of build in a little time just for them to be themselves because it's like i'm not gonna get their attention right at 8 45 it's not gonna happen so <laughs> they catch up and they enjoy each other and i think that idea yeah. of like you know that has in so many situations where some people have left things um the idea of this sort of musical club has has meant that we've kept all of our friends together and i think that's mm. that feels really special and it feels like such an honor just to work with them every week yeah. um, but it speaks to that power of 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 community of connection of you know it kind of feels like all those things that churches uh should be mm, sure you know <laughs> yeah you know and we have and we offer a, a fair bit of online content um and i think the conversation sometimes comes back to like well if we're offering online content does that mean people are not going to come hmm. and i think to me it's a situation of they're so different hmm. you know like if you want a meditative worship experience our online worship service is excellent mm -hmm. um if mm -hmm. you want to be in community there's you can't get that sitting mm -hmm. on your couch with your sweet dog watching our watching our um, online worship service. Um, that is one experience of worship. But then to experience worship in community is a whole different thing. Um, yeah, I th well, like I think it's, it's right across. Yeah, exactly. I think different experiences. And I think some people found that they had a, a kind of a spiritual inclination towards um, solitude you know, during the mm -hmm. pandemic. And that, what that emerged, I think what emerged for them is an enjoyment, a different kind of enjoyment surfaced actually. Um, and I think over the years in, over the centuries, that's kind of what um, people have discovered, you know, that they've got all of, there's all this array of opportunity. Um, and some people lean towards the more solitary part of it and some yeah. people really lean into the community part of it and during the pandemic i think people discovered wow i really i i feel really comfortable with this expression you know i really miss being in the sanctuary with other people other people were saying i really love being in this more kind of slightly solitary experience yeah. so the community part of it is interesting because it for a lot of people that has to be bodies in the same room at the same time sure and then for others, it's a much broader experience, and they're thinking about how they're still connected, but it's it's different. You mm -hmm. know, it it may be the same, but it's different. I think, as you say, it's it's two different orientations, and now it's there's no going back. You know, we're continuing to just 
move that move that forward in as many different various expressions as we can create. Yeah, and I think it's it's like a both and situation yeah, too. Yeah, I agree. You know, like sometimes I very much want to be solitary in that, and sometimes I want to be with all the people. So I think it's nice that we can offer um, opportunities for people in in both places and spaces. It's yeah, it feels nice. And one thing we have discovered during the pandemic is that in terms of social causes, sometimes a person sitting in their home in front of a computer writing a letter to a, you know, to the congressional delegation from Connecticut uh, can have can have an impact that's the same as someone working in a community of people sitting, you know, in the church doing something that it's mm-hmm. it's it's the it, the whole environment of the media has changed a lot now in terms of how we can express that. You know, in this you think about the civil rights movement, it was an in-person phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. It had to be done in person. Now, there are a lot of things uh that can be done when people just have access to their laptop. Mm-hmm. And uh so I think that's interesting that it's actually increased the number of ways that people can make a difference on issues related to things like civil rights and that's mm-hmm. that's wonderful because a lot of people other you know in past years wouldn't have been able to have that same kind of impact and so that's uh that's a good thing. Yeah. So I feel like the natural sort of segue for this idea of peace, you know, we were talking about sort of peace on earth last mm-hmm. week. Um, is this idea of sort of inner peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would love to know your thoughts on that as you're sort of contemplating different different expressions of peace as we go forward. Mm. You know, I, I don't have the quotation with me, but I came across some words by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, and he's become very, his books and writings have become very popular over the years. He's been based in France. He's originally from North Vietnam. He was a close friend of Thomas Merton, who was an American Roman Catholic monk and a very, very prolific writer about matters related to peace. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said in this piece that, you know, you really cannot have an impact on outer peace until you are experiencing inner peace. Mm. And um, I'm not sure I agree with that, because I think that sometimes we are called into situations of conflict in order to have uh, an impact, a peacemaker's impact, when we may feel very much at sea within ourselves and not mm-hmm. at all settled about things. And, uh, you know, our knees may be shaking and, and, you know, we may be high anxiety, but still expected or needing to get involved in a situation where peacemaking is required. So I'm I would I I would like to think that Thich Nhat Hanh has got that right, you know that that inner peace is a prelude to outer peace. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds logically, it sounds true, but I have mixed feelings about that because um, if I think in my personal life <laughs> that if I had to wait until my inner peace <laughs> came, came around, you know, like come out of the closet, okay, come on, it's time to get out of here now. You know, we'd be, be waiting a while. We'd be waiting a while. <laughs> Of course, maybe the outer peace, the outer conflict would have gone away in the meantime, uh, waiting for the inner peace to, you know, come to the forefront. So, but I also know that there are so many ways for people to nurture inner peace these days. A lot of them are available, you know, online. But when I think about how popular yoga has become, Mm 
And I think about yoga as a spiritual practice that can, has the potential to create inner peace and harmony. Mm-hmm. What a gift that is, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many opportunities to practice mindfulness meditation, and that's been developed over the years. Um, and all of that's geared towards uh, inner peace. So I guess my take on it is that Yes, I still want to be working on that part of my life that helps me to be less anxious. Non-anxious is like setting the bar a little too high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. settle for less anxious most days. And if I can get to a position of less anxiety, then I do feel like there's more of me that can trust. Mm-hmm. And I love your comment earlier, Leslie, about you know the, the importance of, of it's really trust that we're after in the end, maybe more so than it is that you know, um, this isn't exactly what you said, but more, more than that quality of inner peace, mm. I think sometimes the inner peace is actually the postlude rather than the prelude. Oh, interesting. It's, it's the thing that comes in after you've had the engagement with something where you thought, there's no way I could do this. I'm not up to this. I'm not trained for this. Nobody asked for my permission. <laughs> you know? But then we do it mm-hmm. and then we find, wow, I feel pretty settled. And I think that's what the biblical literature calls the peace which passes all understanding. Mm. It almost defies logic. And so I think I'm kind of at the stage in my life now where I'm thinking, yeah, you know, we, we get involved and we figure things out. And then maybe afterward we breathe a huge sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> that's the peace that passes all understanding. I like that. I like that a lot. So... As we continue to explore peace, which we have one more week in our in our theme, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to hear from you. What what actions have you taken to further peace, to be a force for good, a force for peace, either in your own life or in the lives of those around you? We'd love to hear from you. You can always shoot us a message at roundtillradio.org. There's a lovely forum right at the top. Uh, and we just thank you so much for listening. Roundtill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundtillradio.org. 